Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome back into 365 Sports. Jed Drinning, West Virginia sideline reporter, joins us now. And Jed, Houston and West Virginia tonight. West Virginia is on a roll right now, playing with tremendous confidence. Um, you know, Neil Brown entered this season very much on the hot seat. Uh, I don't know how they feel in Morgantown now, but as far as I'm concerned, you can turn the temperature all the way down on that. He has proven already what he can do with this team when they are healthy and ready to go and navigate some injuries. And this one means a lot, right? Because it's against Dana Holgerson. What's the vibe around the Mountaineers right now? Well, to be honest with you, they all mean a lot, obviously. And there's no empty chairs on this schedule. So you have to bring it each week. Uh, and there's truth to the fact that you absolutely, in this league, you have to take them one at a time because the first time you don't show up and play good football, uh, you're going to pay for it by multiple scores. And Dana is a guy that recognizes matchups. I'm sure he's game playing against some of the deficiencies that he's seen. Our bye week, for us, I can say, came at a time when it was desperately needed. We played four really physical football games in the first five weeks of the season. And uh, we had guys dropping, some will be back, some won't. But uh, we got some much-needed rest. But uh, we're going to take Houston's best shots. We have little doubt about that. But we better come and bring it again tonight. Well, uh, you know, we had Dana Holgerson on the show a couple times, and, and one of them right after the schedule was released. And he, he you know, said, look, I'm, I'm not stupid enough to think that this wasn't, you know, very intentional on the Big 12 to do this this way because this is a storyline. Who do you think it's more of a storyline for, West Virginia or for Dana Holgerson? That's a good question. You know, I, I don't know that, that uh, I mean, Neil even talked about it this week. He's like, look, Dana's a guy who, who had a lot of success here. He had a couple 10-win seasons. He had the Orange Bowl win. So uh, he did a lot of good things with the program. He was the guy who superintended the transition into the Big 12. So I don't know if there's a lot of ill will harbored, uh, at least internally. Now, there is that factor that, you know, when your girlfriend breaks up with you, uh, there's there's some some ill feelings that are harbored, and that's more the fan base, you know. Uh, So I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a little overstated or oversold. To me, it would have been probably more of a storyline and more of a, a sizzling TV storyline uh, had Dana been coming to Morgantown on a Thursday night. That would have kind of been more interesting. But, I mean, these Houston fans are the first time they've ever faced the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, it doesn't, I can't imagine, mean a whole lot to them. There's no, no animus there. So, uh, but, yeah, I think it's just two football teams that are, that are trying to find their way into the second half of the season in a positive fashion. And uh, I fully expect under the circumstances for, for Dana coming off a bye. Because I saw him you know, coach very good football games coming off a bye at West Virginia. I've seen him do it at Houston. So uh, I, I think that storyline is probably dominating a little more than it should uh, in that it's our first matchup ever. It will be interesting irrespective of who the coach was. So here we are. 
How much danger in is in this game outside of all that in that Houston really needs one to to get back on the right track uh, because it has been a, a wildly disappointing season for them so far. Yeah, uh, I mean, in, in many, with many respects, it has. But you look at how they battled in some of those games that uh, the other team was able to separate the second half, whether it was Texas Tech, whether it was TCU. I mean, when they put their best foot forward, uh, they're, they're pretty scary. And now, if they can do that for the balance of 60 minutes and find a way to hold up, then, then they're going to be competing against most of the teams in this league and threatening to beat them. But uh, when you look at them from a skill standpoint, they got skill on both sides of the ball. Now, Dana had to retool his offensive line. In the offseason, they got, despite having maybe the one of more exceptional alignment in the country at left tackle, they had to retool elsewhere. Uh, I think the strength of that offense is in the receiver room. They're very deep. They're very talented. They're very versatile. Uh, so, no doubt in my mind, Dana is looking at our secondary and finding matchups that appeal to him. And he has a very creative way of getting you in space in places you don't want to be in space against. And uh, so, we're, we're going to have our hands full on the defensive side and then the offensive side. Uh, again, they got two big heavies on the interior. When they're playing, when they're playing solid, they're playing solid, and they're tough to move. They got two edge guys. Uh, we're dinged up with our offensive line and moving some parts around as well. So, uh, I mean, we're going to have our hands full with challenges on both sides of the ball. They got corners that can play. So, uh, I mean, this is this is one of those things that if you don't show up, you're going to find yourself down by multiple scores in this environment very quickly. So, we better show up, and we better show up early. What's been the spark in your estimation of this team, especially look, they're not um, in the last three weeks of this winning streak, you know, scoring 45 points. They're doing this with defense. They've done it with different quarterbacks. They've done it with the running game. What's been the, the, the spark that turned this team around in, in, in light of their confidence? But, you know, I, I do think that there was a belief in the culture uh, that continued into the offseason. And we felt that we underachieved and underperformed last year. And we marched into the offseason with that belief. And then when the media picked us to finish 14th, that was like Neil Brown standing over some burning embers trying to get a fire going. And somebody handed him a hose with an endless supply of jet fuel. And that really, really has lit a fire under this entire program. And uh, that's the mantra. I mean, I don't go 30 seconds without hearing a player or a coach. Somebody screaming 14, 14, 14. That's what it's all about. And they say, look, you can say what you want about us now on our winning streak. We're 14th in the Big 12 until the season ends and we prove otherwise. So that has served as tremendous motivation. But at some point, and we're trying to continue to become a more well-rounded football team. We won the last three games that you just talked about. We won four in a row, but the last three in particular – with three, less than 350 yards in each of those games. The last time West Virginia did that was in 1996 when we had the number one ranked defense in the country. Now that is on some level unsustainable. Good defense isn't unsustainable, but at some point the offense is going to have to emerge and we're going to find ourselves in games that aren't just rock fights where we get to drag the other team into an alley, but it's going to be somewhat of a shootout. And, you know, you might suspect that could come against the Dana Holgerson coach team, so you better be ready offensively. And we need to keep cranking on special teams, so we need to be a well-rounded three-phase football team. And so far through five games, we've done that. We just have to get better at it. How do you feel about how both quarterbacks have played when they've been called on? I, well, both of them, for different reasons, I'm very happy. You know, first of all, Garrett's kept the football out of harm's way. We haven't come close to seeing his best football yet. We've seen him off script. But from a run game standpoint, quarterback run game standpoint, for various reasons, 
We haven't seen the best of him doing that, and I do think that's when he's at his best. We're going to start to get to some of that. We're going to start to push the football vertical. We need some help from the receiver room. And it'd be nice if a receiver catches an RPO and the conflict defender drops to the box and makes somebody miss and picks up big yardage for us. But even in the run game, which is what we've leaned on throughout the course of the first five games with CJ and the rest of the crew, it hasn't been as explosive as it was a year ago. So those splash plays need to come there as well. But with Garrett, he's done a great job of keeping the football out of harm's way. I think he's going to continue to improve. And with Nico, I mean, how can you not be happy with how that kid was thrust into the fire against Pitt, managed that football game for the better part of three-plus quarters, three-and-a-half quarters, and then came out and made his first Big 12 start against a very good Texas Tech football team and helped us get through that one and come out on top. So I think that room's in solid shape. But like the rest of the football team, we have to find ways each week to get better and better because where we're at as a team right now through five games, it's good enough to be good through five games with one of the more difficult schedules in the country. But if we don't get better, if we plateaued, it's going to be an ugly final seven games. We need to continue to get better in all three phases. Now, I realize it's still early, only five games in for West Virginia because they've had their bye. But, um, you know, Ren Baker, uh, sometimes you know, the new AD comes in and he, he it would not have been a surprise probably to anybody had he fired Neil Brown last year based on how new ADs work most of the time. Look, this is not my guy. Um, I'm not going to even take a chance on it. I'm going to go bring my guy in, and that way I don't have to answer these questions. But he bet on, on Neil Brown this year and didn't make that move. And uh, now uh, he's looking at a 4-1 and one team. Has Neil Brown done enough to where that discussion is over? Well, what Neil, and this is obviously way above my pay grade, but when you listen to Ren talk, what Ren talks about is he sees things globally. He spends a lot of time in the building. He's been on the sidelines for every game. So he studies with great scrutiny every aspect of not just the football team, but all the sports as well. Now he says, ultimately, we're held to account by how many games we win. But he said, I'd stop and consider all the factors that lead up and contribute to your ability to win those games. So if I see functional aspects of a program across the board, but it hasn't translated to wins yet, I have to believe on some level what level that's ultimately going to happen if I can find my way to help nudge it in the right direction. And I believe that's kind of his mindset. But you know, there's, that, there's also that school of thought with ADs that I've heard for years that an AD is not truly on the clock until he hires his head coach. So why rush it? Right. I mean, yeah. if you're new AD, why rush it? I mean, why do you want to start that clock ticking right away when you've got a guy that has a building that's in really good shape? The culture in the building is really solid, and it looks like we're just a couple good breaks away from turning a corner. And through five games, we've caught those breaks that in previous years we weren't catching. But again, you've got to continue with this type of thing. When, when I look at what scares me, and every week I can talk myself into being scared against any of these Big 12 teams, but with Houston, they're plus five in turnover margin, good enough for number two in the conference. Now, we're a West Virginia team that despite the 4-1 and start, we've only won the turnover battle one time in five games. In fact, this West Virginia program has only won the turnover battle one time in the last 11 games dating back to last year. That, too, is unsustainable. So when I say we have to continue to find ways to get better, it includes ball security and those types of things that Houston, for all their deficiencies that have hurt them this year, they've mastered that part of the game. And so if they're going to beat you, obviously they're going to try and make that be a part of it. So with Ren Baker, above my pay grade, but that's my thinking. And I have plenty of ways to talk myself into thinking why Houston can win this football game if we don't show up and play out tonight. Uh, I know one of the games that you won the turnover battle in, Jed. 
Yeah, it was one. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even have to think about it. I can go yep. back to, to last year, and that was that's an interesting game because that was the game that I think has derailed Baylor since then. Well, that was last year. And you yeah. know what? The 11 games started after the Baylor game. It's oh, really? You point that out. Yes, we were plus two in the Baylor game. Yeah. And ever since the Baylor game, we played 11 games at 43 to 40 game last year. The one game that we won the turnover battle in in the last 11 games was Pitt. We, you know, we've since had a hand in turning their quarterback into a tight end. But, but yeah, that Baylor game, that was critical. That was critical. I mean, those turnovers last year. And you got to figure, you're going to have – that's exactly the type of football game that I'm talking about. We haven't won a 43-40 to 40 game this year. But at some point, you get the sense you're going to have to. Because what I get out of this Mountaineer team, I studied very closely Neil and his days at Troy and his four years at Troy before and when he was hired. So I have a pretty good thumb on, on the pulse of the culture and the type of football teams that he had done it. It's starting to have that feel. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go out and rip off 30 wins in three years like he did at Troy. That's not what I'm saying. But stylistically, there are definitely parallels to be drawn between this Mountaineer team and those Troy teams. And those Troy teams, much like you've seen West Virginia through five games, is built to win rock fights. They were built to win rock fights. They'll drag you into, that, into an alley, a place you don't want to be, and win in that style of football game. But there were types of games. The bowl games, particularly the win against Buffalo, they had a 50-30 to 30 bowl win, a 42-32 to 32 bowl win. There were some shootouts that he found a way to win, much like he found a way to win that shootout against Baylor last year. So the offense, to get to that point, is going to need to step up. And so far, we haven't seen enough out of the offense in them doing so. But they're going to have to play a more prominent role from a big play standpoint. Jed Drenning, West Virginia sideline reporter, here with us on 365 Sports. Jed, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for hopping on. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.